Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Good morning. The last six weeks uh, in the life of our church, we have been diving deep into our mission of exploring what it means to know him, love him, and share him. Our worship service today focuses on the serve him aspect of our mission. For those of you who I haven't met yet, my name is Sally Millsap, and I serve as the pastor of Disciples in Action here at First United Methodist Church, which means I am part of the team that helps our community of faith not only reflect what it means to serve him, but actually do something about the call as Christ followers to serve. Let's go to God in prayer before we um, hear our scriptures. Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, you gave us the holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Let us hear them, read them, learn them, and digest them, that we may embrace and live them. Amen. Our scripture lesson today uh, comes from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Now, First United Methodist Church and the church at Philippi have something in common. Both churches are not young, fledgling churches. They are actually established Christian communities. Paul recognizes and confronts the benefits and the challenges that come from being an established community of faith. If you'll join me, we'll be reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. If then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the Spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interest, but to the interest of others. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our scripture today uh, starts out with two words, if then. 
Now, I'm a former science teacher, so those words are familiar to me. Um, They're often the words used to start a a hypothesis. Um, If you've been given a question that you are about to research and study. So I I thought we'd just have a little fun, and I give you a a couple of examples of some if-then statements that could be used as hypotheses. Um, If Reverend Mark Corsi is a St. Louis Cardinals fan, then he is not going to know the statistics for the Chicago Cubs pitching rotation during the 2023 season. If Reverend Drew Shelley is a former engineer, then he keeps his tools in his garage in a meticulous order. If Reverend Chrislyn Durham over here is a huge Harry Potter fan, then she has been sorted into her proper house by the sorting hat at Hogwarts. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know if any of these hypotheses are correct, but I could research them uh, to determine if they were indeed correct or not. Now, the Apostle Paul is interesting. He doesn't use the if-then words um, as a hypothesis. He's actually using it as an affirmation. One of the commentators that I read uh, shares that it might be better to translate those initial verses as since there is encouragement in Christ and since there is consolation from love and since there is fellowship in the Spirit. Paul sees evidence of encouragement, love, and fellowship and is imploring the church to live that out, to be those people. The Christians at Philippi are called to be united as a church, living lives that encourage love and fellowship. Now, another way I think we can think about these verses um, at the church at Philippi um, and what it's calling us to today is do what Christ did and be who we are. The serve him part of our mission calls us to be active participants in discipleship. We cannot do what Christ did by actively sitting on, by passively sitting on the sidelines. We must get in the game of serving our neighbors. Gilberto uh, Colazzo argues that these scriptures call us out from living lives of impersonating Christ to living lives of imitating Christ. I actually think as a whole of society that we struggle with the concept of impersonation rather than imitation. Impersonators take great pains to make people believe who they are not. From the filters on photos that make our skin look flawless to the debt we've accumulated as a means to borrow our way into a lifestyle we want to impersonate, I think we all take steps to make others believe something that we are not. We um, might even do this in our life of faith. We show up on Sunday mornings and for worship and we do all the right things. But how are we in the world on Monday morning? Do others see evidence of us being followers of Christ? On the other hand, imitators are clearly aware and strive to live up to the challenge of being the reflection of the person whom they looked up to. 
We should all be asking the question, are we striving to imitate and reflect the love of Christ? Are we impersonators or are we imitators? I think that question can be answered in the evidence of what we do. Think back to just some of the things that Christ did. Jesus ate dinner with tax collectors. They were some of the most hated people in his day, unethical thieves who served the Roman Empire. Jesus healed the lepers, those considered unclean by Jewish religious establishment. Jesus associated with women, like Mary Magdalene, who was possessed by evil spirits, and he cast them out of her body. What I notice about each of these instances and other stories we hear about Jesus from the Bible is that Jesus was often outside of his comfort zone. He was outside of what was accepted in society in which he lived. Jesus loved and served outside of what was easy, outside of what was going to keep him from getting into trouble, and those who held power, privilege, and prestige. We are thinking as believers, are we thinking as believers, about what it is to look like Jesus as we serve in such a way that makes us uncomfortable takes us outside of our comfort zone, and challenges what is accepted in our society today. Paul helps us. Um, he answers that question for us in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. I have this seminary professor. She's the New Testament scholar at Memphis Theological. Her name is Dr. Mitzi Minor. She's kind of intimidating if you want to know the truth. Um, but she always has our classmates and I consider the world behind the text when we look at the New Testament in our class studies. It is critical to understand here the context in which the Philippian society and Roman society in general was. It was an honor and shame culture. The wealthy did favors and demanded favors to garner political support and advance their ambitions of their benefactors. Each level of society was based on providing favors to those more powerful from you and demanding favors from those with less prestige than you. Unconditional love and humility were generally unknown, except for the Christians. They were different. Despite being from different classes in society, having different economic resources than each other, and being a group consisting of both women and men, Christians, as siblings in Christ, mutually cared for one another outside of the cultural norms of the honor and shame culture present in the Philippian society. Paul calls on the church at Philippi to live in such a way that models humility and puts the needs of others before oneself. As I was thinking of humility, um, one image kept coming to my mind. It was actually a memory um, from a mission trip that I took um, many years ago. My sister went with me. Um, and there was this man, he was elderly and disabled. 
His sister had been, or his family had been unable to care for him properly, and because of that, he had developed bed sores. They were open, gaping wombs on his backs and his legs. Um, My 22-year-old self had never seen anything like his pain and had never seen anything like his family's shame in his condition. But then I watched a doctor on our team. He cleaned his wombs with sylvodyne, patiently taught the family how to do the same, and then prayed with the man and his entire family before leaving. Everyone that day showed humility. This man allowed his horrible condition to be shared. The family was willing to acknowledge that they needed help. And the doctor took time and resources to travel thousands of miles to wash and treat the wombs of someone who needed his skills and expertise. It was the humility that Paul talks about in these scriptures. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves. Paul also encourages us to live in in unity as the body of Christ. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but the interest of others. Linda Belleville, in her commentary, says we should read the translation as, Look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. She argues that the Greek indicates that we must work against a total fixation on oneself to the exclusion of others. I think that definitely can preach to the context in which we live today. And I would argue the modern Christian church If it is to survive, we need to take that seriously. We must, as Christ followers, answer the call to stop focusing inward and start looking outward. And even more challenging than that, as a Christian people, we will continue to struggle with unity if some among us continue to focus solely on themselves. Remember, that these scriptures call us to do as Christ did, which means being uncomfortable and challenging the status quo, and to be who we are, a people who are called to imitate Christ with humility and looking to put the needs of others before our own. This is the calling of the serve him part of our mission statement here at First United Methodist Church. It is something we must do with our hands, our feet, our time, our energy, our resources, as Christ called us and is calling us to do. I thought the child down here during our uh, children's message demonstrated this very well. Miss Tammy asked the children to raise their hand, and what did the child do immediately? Raise their hand. Christ is calling us to do just that. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.